0: What would it look like if we as Christ followers testified of the goodness of God in our life and when someone asks us about it and or even begins to like quiz us on it or kind of push back or say, you know what, I don't really think that that can be true. Can anything good come of that? Is there really a good God? We would say, come and see. Welcome to the Kingdom Life Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Nilsen, speaker, author, and yes, life coach. We live in a noisy world with a million external influences vying for our attention. This is the space where we can quiet the noise, sort out our thoughts through honest conversation, and discover what it looks like to take aligned, faith-filled action in a world of endless possibilities. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome. Here we are. Another week has passed and we are jumping into another episode of the Kingdom Life Coaching Podcast. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I absolutely love to dive into a passage of scripture and really begin to mine the story for what God is showing us. And specifically, I love to take snapshots and glimpses into the life of Jesus and see how he modeled this kingdom blueprint. So you're going to hear me use this term a lot, kingdom blueprint, which means what does that look like to live as Christ followers, kingdom people? What's kind of the strategy? What's the model? Because so often, I don't know about you, but for me, I can I can definitely overthink things. I can wonder if I'm doing any of this right. And then I think, okay, if I dive into scripture, if I read about the life of Jesus and how he interacted with people, what does that show me? What can I actually apply to my life because I have read the scripture so what I want to do today is dive into John chapter 1. So last week the podcast episode about how do ordinary people partner with an extraordinary God for supernatural uh, solutions was based about the wedding in Cana and really capturing this phrase that Mary looked at the servants and said, "Do what he says." So last week I really hit hard this idea of how do we begin to to walk out our faith it's looking at Jesus abiding in him and then tuning to the flow of the holy spirit and then doing what he says and in that story of the wedding at cana there were there was sort of this step 1 step 2 to step 3 that I that I mapped out in there so go back and listen to that if you want to and it's kind of I'm kind of doing this backwards a little bit but I'm actually jumping up to chapter one. So that was in chapter two. And now we're going to go into chapter one. And I want to read you this story of some of these men beginning to follow Jesus and see what we can extract from this gospel narrative that could be first of all, inspiring and encouraging and applicable to your life where you are as you seek to follow him and his voice. So I'm going to be reading today out of the J.B. Phillips translation. It's going to be John chapter one, and I'm going to start in verse 35. So in this particular translation, the subtitle is called Men Begin to Follow Jesus. So it reads like this. On the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist has come. There are men that are following John because he is a precursor to Jesus. He looked straight at Jesus as he walked along and said, there is the lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned around and when he saw them following him, spoke to them what do you want? He said. And I want to stop here for just a minute and really pull out a couple of things that seem interesting to me. Number one is that, you know, there's a precursor, like these men have been following John the Baptist and John the Baptist, his entire role, his entire calling in life was to point to Jesus. So who is it in your life? that has helped position you to look for Jesus? How can you look back on your life and think, I'm so thankful for this relationship or I'm so thankful for this and that because they have helped me point, they have pointed Jesus out to me. And caveat, if you can think of someone right now who's, who's helped, helped you find Jesus and pointed you to Jesus, what could it look like for you to write a letter of thank you note to them? Send them a text. If they're still alive and on this earth, Really breathe that into them, bring that gratitude and say, you know what? I know it's been so long since we connected, but I was with you at this certain season of life and you helped point me in my faith. And I want you to know, I want you to be encouraged that that meant a lot to me. And that's changed the the trajectory of my life. So here we are, these two men, these men are standing with, two of these disciples are standing with John the Baptist. John the Baptist looks at Jesus coming and he says, there is the lamb of God. So when you see Jesus when you see God's hand at work in in life in the world what could it look like for you to speak that out loud speak that to your friends and to your family again we don't need to be in with some bullhorn and some soapbox we're not twisting it into some sort of like perverted way of sharing the gospel. But what could it look like for you to legitimately say, hey, here's Jesus's hand at work in my life. And I want you to know just in case you want to follow along and you want to believe as well. So I would challenge you and encourage you today where you are. what, Where have you seen Jesus and how are you speaking out? There is the Lamb of God, just like John the Baptist did. So the two disciples heard what he said. And what did they do? They followed Jesus. I could stop right there. That could be an entire sermon on its own. John the Baptist noticed Jesus, points to Jesus, says, There he is. And the two men recognize this and they they start following him. So even if if you if it's one simple little task to say, look, here is Jesus, here's his hand at work in my life, even just that, even testifying to the Son of Man, to Jesus' work in your life could bring other people into the faith. Just that. But then Jesus turns around and when he saw them following him, he speaks to them and says, what do you want? This kind of reminds me of a couple podcast episodes I'm ago. I'm talking about in John chapter five, I believe it is, when Jesus is talking to the man at the pool of Bethesda and he says, do you want to get well? So if you haven't listened to that one, go back a couple episodes. Do you want to get well? But here he sees these men and he brings them into conversation. So when there, it's one thing to point out Jesus and just say, hey, go do that. Go follow him. But then Jesus models to us this very real human connection that he sees us. How are we seeing the people around us and inviting them into a conversation of what, what do you want? What do you want out of life? What do you want following me? I believe that Jesus is asking some of you even now, what do you want as you follow me, as you live this life of faith? And these men reply, Master, where are you staying? So what a funny little question, right? Like, I don't know what I would ask, but I don't know if I would say like, what Airbnb are you at? Like, where are you staying? And that's what they want. That's what they want to know. And he says, come and see So I love this. Even now we're beginning to weave in this narrative that Jesus is a relational person. He asks them, what do they want? They say, well, we just want to know where you're staying. And he says, come and see. So he invites them to come along with him. We ask, where is he? What is he up to? So I want you even now to be thinking in your life, Jesus, where are you staying? What are you up to? And Jesus is saying to you, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying and remained with him the rest of the day. Now, I love these places in scripture when it tells you immediately somebody immediately suddenly turned, followed Jesus, and right here in, in verse 39, it says, so they went and saw. What does it look like for you to see Jesus's hand at work? He is inviting you to come and see and to follow him. So they went. Right now, some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I I think I'm sensing Jesus. I think I'm sensing his hand at work, but I don't really know. How am I gonna really know? I need to ask a lot of questions. I'm just gonna kind of sit here and maybe study a little bit more and study a little bit more and then study a little bit more after that. But Jesus is saying the only way to truly know what I'm up to and what I'm about is actually to follow me. So they went and they saw where he was staying. So what could it look like you for you even now to begin to take steps of faith that you have been holding on to, that you have been thinking about, that you have been scared to take for so long? I think today is the day when you say, you know what? I'm going to take that step. I'm gonna, Here's the kingdom blueprint. You go and you see where he's staying. And then they remain with him the rest of the day. They stay with him, they abide in him, they watch what he's doing. And it says it was then about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two men who had heard what John said and had followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He went straight off and found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, meaning, of course, Christ and he brought him to Jesus. So we're seeing in this narrative, in this historical context that the way that 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 the kingdom begins to move on this earth is that people recognize and see Jesus Christ and they turn to the person next to them and say say this is Jesus. You're never going to believe the love that he's bringing, the signs and wonders that he's bringing. There's a magnetism about him. He is God you must come and see for yourself. That as kingdom people, that is what we were inviting people into. We're saying, Hey, this is what I have seen. Step number one is to testify of what you have seen and experienced. And then step number two is to remain with him, keep watching him, abiding in him, paying attention to him and, and, and seeing him at work getting to know his character. Who is this man? Who is this God? And then step number three is to say, you know what? I know who I am going to tell. So Andrew tells his brother Peter, and it says, we found the Messiah and he brings him to Jesus. So this is not a solo adventure. We are bringing other people in and then they get to decide for themselves. What does it mean? Will they say yes to faith? Will they follow him will they believe that they have found the messiah they get to make that choice for themselves we don't we don't have ownership over that piece of it which is really hard and i'm speaking you know as a parent and to parents out there it's just such a it's just such a a confounding space to be in when you when you love Jesus and you raise kids in the faith and I've talked to many parents mostly moms about this and you and you pray and you going to church and you're highlighting you are elevating God you are honoring him in his household and it's a very very painful thing when your growing kids or your grown adults say you know what thank you for raising me in that but I don't believe it I'm not walking in that way and I don't know really what to say about that except for to to connect with those of you that are feeling this pain of like you know what Megan I have said here's Jesus I have invited my kids to come and see and abide in him and stay with him and yet they have decided that they are walking away right now so even under the sound of my voice I am I'm connected with you I'm contending with you I'm con- there are some of my own kids that I am praying for right now that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and yet I have to openly hand open be be open-handed about that because it is not my journey anymore it's theirs so we pray for them definitely in the spiritual realm so again it's not a solo adventure who are you inviting into this this walk of faith with you who is saying yes So verse 42, Jesus looked steadily at him. So he's looking at Simon and he says, you are Simon, the son of John. From now on, your name is Cephas. That is Peter, meaning a rock. So what is happening right now? Jesus is actually calling Peter to a higher level. His name is Simon. And he's saying, you know what? I see you. I see who you were created to be. And, and I am calling you to a new identity. What is Jesus? How has he renamed you, reshaped you, reformed you in your life? When you fix your eyes on him, he will steadily call you out into a new place. Just like he's calling Simon and saying, you are Peter, you are the rock what are you sensing from the Holy Spirit right now? What is he saying about you and who you truly are? Here's your name in a natural sense, but who who are you? What's your name? What's your identity in a spiritual sense? And I believe that when you ask him for that, he will speak that into you just like he did to Peter. Verse 43, the following day, Jesus decided to go into Galilee. He found Philip, so again, Jesus is on the move. There's not, he's not stagnant. He's not sitting around and, you know, growing growing mold. He's getting up and he's going and he decides to go to Galilee. He finds Philip and he says to him, follow me. Philip was a man from Bethsaida, the town that Andrew and Peter had come from. Now, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we've discovered the man whom Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets wrote too. He is Jesus, the son of Joseph, and comes from Nazareth. Again, we're continuing to see this kingdom blueprint of inviting people in. Jesus is finding people. He's seeing people, and he's saying, follow me. The men are deciding to follow him, and they can't keep it to themselves. Philip's like, man, I'm following Jesus. Now I'm going to go find Nathaniel." Nathaniel needs to know about this too. So I hope even now, as we're reading this narrative, as you're as you're listening to this, you're thinking, who are the people on my heart and mind right now? If Jesus has brought an, an awareness, an image, a name to you, to you, if you are thinking about something and you hit someone and you maybe you haven't thought about this person in some time. Trust that the Holy Spirit is putting this person on your heart and mind because he's asking you to reach out. You have a choice in this moment to reach out and say, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What do you want? How can I help you? I do believe that as a community of believers, as we are growing in our faith, we are constantly, Jesus wants us to to renew and reform and actually reproduce in this space of, of testifying of him, of saying the Lord brought you to my mind and I want to know how you are doing. So if he's bringing someone to mind, pay attention, write that name down, shoot them a text, an email, a phone call, something, a card. Who sends cards anymore? That's such a beautiful thing to do. But anyway, verse forty-six, Nathaniel says, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" So basically, let let me let me let me back it up. It says Philip was a man from Bethsaida, the town that Andrew Peter came from. Philip found Nathaniel, and he told him, "We've discovered the man whom Moses wrote about in the law. He's Jesus, the son of Joseph, and he comes from Nazareth." Now immediately, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is a very common human interaction. So we might go say, hey, to somebody, I found Jesus. you got to know what is he doing in my life? And that person, in this case, Nathaniel is like, "Mm, really, can anything good come out of that space? I don't know if I really believe it. And then what does Philip say? He says, you come and see. So again, Philip is a fantastic model for us because he doesn't immediately say, well, why do you think nothing good can come out of Nazareth? He doesn't really, he doesn't launch into some sort of like legal like case. He's not trying to state his case and then use a bunch of words about, well, you don't even really know what you're talking about because of course something good, good can come from Nazareth and on and on and on with some sort of analytical argument. All he says is you come and see. How how can we as kingdom people be more open-handed with other people's faith journeys? We don't need to argue every single solitary thing. In fact, sometimes the argument is more detrimental to the future faith of that other person than just this invitation to come and see for yourself. What would it look like if we as Christ followers testified of the goodness of God in our life. And when someone asks us about it and, or even begins to like quiz us on it or kind of push back or say, you know what? I don't really think that that can be true. Can anything good come of that? Is there really a good God? We would say, come and see. What could that look like as we invite people to come and see? Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him. So Nathaniel decides, all right, I will come and see, kind of reluctantly probably, right? And Jesus remarks, now here is a true man of Israel. There is no deceit in him. How can you know me, returned Nathaniel. And Jesus says, when you were underneath the fig tree, before Philip called you, I saw you. How beautiful is that? There's this moment in time. All Philip is doing is saying, come and see. Nathaniel reluctantly acquiesces and he comes and Jesus, when he encounters the living Jesus, Jesus speaks truth over him. He speaks true identity over him. And he says, here is a man in which there is no deceit. And all of a sudden, Nathaniel's like, how could you know that about me? It reminds me of the woman at the well. When when Jesus says, that's right, you you have had five husbands and she, and she runs off and she says, he... he Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. When we encounter the living God, when we encounter Jesus Christ, he begins to speak into us a new identity. He begins to, Holy Spirit ministry as he begins to reveal things, our true identity and things that, that we have done that are gonna bring us to a saving faith in him. That's Jesus's job. That's God's job. That's not necessarily our job once we point someone to Jesus, we can trust that Jesus will come in and he will speak truth over them. He will speak new identity into them. And he will say, you are a man that I see. And I know this to be true. And then when Jesus speaks those words of knowledge in him, into him, Nathaniel exclaims, master, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So right there, we see Jesus coming in with revelation knowledge, words of knowledge, being able to see Nathanael in the spiritual realm. He saw him in a way that Nathanael thought he was by himself. And now Nathanael says, you are the son of God. He becomes a believer and he starts to follow. And I love the end of this. And this is where I'm going to end today. But it says, do you believe in me? Replied Jesus, because I said I had seen you underneath the fig tree. I'm laughing because I'm imagining Jesus saying like, is that all it took that I saw you underneath a fig tree and all of a sudden you're this big believer that's going to follow me? Jesus says, you're going to see something greater than that. Believe me, he added, I tell you, I tell you all that you will see heaven wide open and God's angels ascending and descending around the son of man. And I love the way that ends because it's an invitation for all of us today. Do you have a greater vision? There's a part of you in your life. Jesus has seen you underneath the fig tree. There's there's a moment in time. There are seasons that you have that are true, that are real of connection with him. And yet the invitation at the end of this chapter is, hey, you haven't seen anything yet. If you believe in me, if you have followed me because of, of these circumstances, because of this word, oh, this is just the beginning. Revelation is coming. You are you open to the greater vision? And that's the question that I feel is before us today. Are you open to a greater vision for your life? Are you open to the possibility that you can that heaven is going to be blown wide open and you're going to see God's angels ascending and descending around you, around and around Jesus, around the Son of Man? What does that look like for you? It's a limited vision of sitting underneath the fig tree versus an abundant vision, more than enough for everybody. What is the shift for you in this season? What invitation are you feeling? How is Jesus asking you even now? How is he inviting you to come and see at a new level of faith, in a new space, in a new time? Jesus models to us in this passage of scripture that he is, he's moving in the beginning, he's walking towards John the Baptist. John the Baptist points him out. Then he goes and he meets with Simon and, and, and Andrew. And then he gets up and he decides to go to Galilee. And he has yet another interaction with two other men, with Philip and Nathaniel. There's a movement there. So what kind of movement is God inviting you into? How is Jesus inviting you to come and see? What do you want? How would you answer that question today? If Jesus were sitting next to you, imagine Jesus is sitting next to you and you're on a front porch or you're sitting on the dock at a lake and, and it's the, the sun is on your face and your legs are kind of swinging over the dock. And Jesus is sitting next to you with his arm around you and he says, You know, what do you want? What would you say to him? The men in this story say, Master, where are you staying? Can we come? Can we be with you? Can we watch what you're doing? I believe that that is a word for many of you that are listening to this. Go, taste and see what is Jesus up to. Spend time with him and then pick up your mat and walk and begin to follow him. All right. I love you guys so much. It's super fun to to be on this journey with you. And as always, if there's anything that's stirred in your spirit, and you want to uh, schedule a phone call? I have been so blessed and encouraged by those of you that have reached out and said, "Megan, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, and I just—I don't know—I really want to—I really want to talk to you about hearing God's voice or what's going on in my life. What is—what is Jesus inviting me into? I would love to hear and help you if I can in any way, kind of discern the next right step. What is Jesus inviting you into? And me, as for me personally, I want to invite you to consider the come alive one day virtual summit it's going to be on Friday October 27th you can find out all the information if you go to my website Megan b. Nielsen, hit the banner at the top or you can go to my Instagram page at Megan underscore Nielsen check out the link tree and either way you're going to find the link to that but that's going to be an amazing summit a virtual retreat where you are going to get to really dive into seven key areas of your life and really examine and ask the Lord to speak into those areas to unlock some places for, for, for fulfillment. And just so you can come alive and really be flourishing in this season of life. All right. I love you guys so much. Can't wait to hear from you. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening if this episode challenged or inspired you, I would be honored if you would rate it and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts so others can hang out with us too. If you'd like to connect at a deeper level, you can find me on Instagram at Megan underscore Nielsen or head to my website, meganbnilson.com and schedule a free curiosity and connection call. Let's keep the conversation going.